0: This is Tim Tap, host of Tap into the Truth, that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Networks.
1: Command codes verified. Program complete. Log on complete.
2: is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people to cross the border. Politicians build a new i should be led I've got to be free The way God made that And I won't be ruled by the damn duet Taking your right to self-defense Defense. They say you're stable but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn the guns ask me more all the bites made out for the shore
0: Hello, welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp. Coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And glad to have you here, especially if you are part of the live audience listening over the airwaves in Columbia, South Carolina, over WCETFM. Or over multiple digital platforms like the Last Frequency and other parts of the Vera networks. Uh, possibly ZMA Radio, who's the newest member of the digital family or broadcasting the show live. We also have Liberty Talk FM and the K Star Talk uh, Network. I, I just a lot of great places that you can hear the show, and no matter where you're listening from, thank you so much. Now, first and foremost, I do want to start off uh, letting everybody know, been under the weather, a bit of a stomach bug the last couple of days, but the show must go on. I'm going to do my best, and if I drop off any at all, I apologize ahead of time, and you've got the explanation. But uh, the upside is, as you well know, with the Friday Night Live format, we typically have a lot of guests, and that means... I get a lot of time to step back and I don't have to carry the show. I let the guests do it. And it should be a good one. We are scheduled to be joined right off the top uh, by friend of the show, uh, climate expert at this point, Mr. Gregory Wrightstone. And uh, he, of course, has his brand new book out. We've mentioned that a few times on air. He's going to be coming on and we'll be discussing it today. We've also got returning guest Mark Mix coming back on. He is, of course, the president of the Right to Work uh, organization, and we'll be discussing Democrats' strange idea of how they should approach automakers. Then in the second hour, we get a double dose of nobility, or at least two scoops of the Noble family. Uh, We've got Randy L. Noble coming on uh, to discuss a few topics off the top. And then we'll close down with my favorite journalist, Becky Noble. So, with all that being said, before we get into anything else, I need to take a moment to talk to you about, well, whether or not you're going to be ready. And will you? Will you be prepared when things go sideways? Not if, when? I certainly hope so. That's why I keep mentioning to you. You might very well have concerns about having to, to face being without electricity for a long time or maybe even having to be without food for a while. And that's why I keep telling you about 4 the place where you can go to get preparedness products right now that you can use right now and that could save your life later. Now, I'm a big fan of my uh, Patriot Power sidekick, but they've got much bigger things. In fact, I highly recommend you visit and take a peek at the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, the newest top of the line available. And I can't express to you enough how important it is to be prepared with survival food kits. And 4Patriots has a, a best-selling survival food kit in comparison to other folks in the industry. For good reason. They taste delicious. They're designed to last up to 25 years, and they do have kits that have real meat and real desserts. And right now, Doug in the control room is showing off some of his Four Patriots items that he has. I had the folks over at Four Patriots set up a very special page just for you guys, listeners of Tapping to the Truth. You just go to com backslash T-A-P-P so that you guys can see this week's discounts and deals before they go away. You land on that page first. You see everything that's on sale, all the deals, all the limited items as far as what's left in stock. And then you can still shop the rest of the site from there, but it lets them know that I sent you. So it's a good, positive thing. So one more time, let me remind you. Four Patriots. Now that's the number four. The number four, Patriots. backslash T-A-P-P Go now, make sure you got everything you need for when things go sideways. Excuse me. Alright, now as far as things going sideways, I want to read you a little something before we bring Gregory Wrightstone on. A little something that I'm pretty sure he's going to recognize as we do bring him on. By nearly every metric, Earth's Ecosystems are thriving and the human condition is improving. This notion of a prospering planet, well, that's entirely contrary to the claims of a climate crisis and a looming disaster around every corner, as proclaimed by the climate industrial complex. In the brand new book, A Very Convenient Warming. How modest warming and more CO2 are benefiting humanity. Gregory Wrightstone explores these benefits. And you can learn that we are actually feeding the planet's growing population through expanded crop growth. The modest warming is saving lives. And that extreme weather events are actually in decline. And I'm going to steal this line before we get started, too, because this is his general message to everyone. You may have seen it on billboards. You may have read it in some of his other work. But sleep well. There is no climate crisis. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Gregory Wrightstone. Greg, first and foremost, thank you so much for coming back on with us. How are you doing today?
3: Oh, really good. And, you know, I've moved well beyond this idea that there is no climate crisis. There isn't. I mean that's that's easily provable. We've we've talked many times about this, but I've gone well beyond that with this new book, and uh, we we present here in a very convenient warming about the huge huge benefits that are accruing to the human condition humanity because of modest warming and more CO two by almost every metric. Earth's ecosystems are thriving and prospering. Uh, despite what you're hearing on the mainstream media, humanity's benefiting from that. And man, I tell you what, I, I call it the, the greatest untold story of the 21st century: that of a of a thriving and prospering Earth and and humanity. Um, uh, if you didn't get this book or hear me before, you would, and all you hear is the what you hear from the mainstream media. You'd be pretty convinced that. Um, we're, we're in deep trouble because of a climate crisis, where uh, just the just the opposite is is, is occurring. In fact, uh, the third section of the book celebrates these benefits, and I just start off with a very simple quote from Frank Sinatra: "The best is yet to come," and it is. We see just oh marvelous improvements for agriculture. Uh, thriving ecosystems and forests. We're experiencing reforestation, not deforestation. We're expanding shrinking uh, deserts, not expanding deserts. And and these are all. It's it's just a a really really feel good story. But you know what? Those the, the the good news doesn't play very well in the media, as you know. You've heard the saying, "What bleeds leads." And so if we talk about tra- tragedy. In crisis, uh, that's what. That's what. Well, it used to be sells papers, but nobody buys papers anymore. Uh, right. But that's what. That's what people click on. Clickbait is is tragedy, in crisis, mm. and uh, we're disputing that here in this book. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it, it's not just so much getting the clicks and uh, pushing the hype and getting attention. It is also a concerted effort at promoting a propaganda that allows people to create. The false industry of green that is nowhere near prime time, Uh, when it is ready, uh, a lot of people will be uh, more than willing to embrace it. When you can get solar and geothermal working on a large-scale basis, uh, it's not going to be something you have to force down anybody's throat. But right now, the driving force for economies is still cheap, reliable energy. And that's the big thing they're pushing against. Beyond that, we've also talked about uh, in the past uh, the fact that a lot of this has to do with control and and taxation and money and – Unfortunately, Greg, uh, politics plays a big part in this entire climate discussion because of the political aspects that are at play behind the scenes for the people that are trying to push the agenda. And unfortunately, our government and I'm sure a few other governments in Western nations has really become little more than an organized, hard to break up. Uh, effort at laundering cash, and they do this by taking tax dollars and laundering it through various places, the companies, uh, grants, think tanks, what have you, and it finds its way back to certain people, uh, none of which is the point of your book, but this is a big reason why they push it, but what I love about the new book, and thank you for sending me a copy by the way, uh, is the fact that once again, you do the same thing you did previously With the uh, inconvenient facts books, you break into the facts. You show the graphs, the information, the data. You dive into it, but you do it in a way that's easily accessible. You don't have to be – uh, a Ph.D. credentialed scientist to read it and understand what's going on, and it's still very easily to check and verify so much information, It and it really is just a phenomenally information-packed book. I'm sitting here, and I keep looking at how thin the book looks. And then I open it up and see how much uh, data you've got packed in here. Uh, My first uh, statement here is, first of all, kudos. And then secondly, how did you manage to get this much information in such a small amount of space?
3: Well, and and I've heard that from so many people. They tell me it's, it's information dense. And by that, it don't scare anybody away. It's, it's, I wrote it for your listeners. I wrote it for, for non-scientists. And forgive me if your listener is a scientist, but uh, okay. it's, 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 it's how we did the first book. And I, I recognized by, by, by reading other books that were 250, 300, 400 pages long, that were all black and white, uh, all text, very few images, people don't read that. And so I wanted something people could actually pick up, read, understand. And I haven't dumbed anything down. I think you'll agree with me on this. But what I've right. done is, is, is condense the information that's needed into its vital elements and make it understandable that we are living in an era of carbon dioxide deprivation. In other words, we're historic, near historic lows levels. Of carbon dioxide not high levels uh, and again we go through these each one of these uh, points of, of agriculture desertification uh, droughts floods these things that are actually getting better not worse um, and we provide that information um, one of the, the, the second the books in three sections and the first is some of the science of carbon dioxide and temperature which is really interesting I've got some interesting uh, aspects there about what really happened with with oil and gas generation and coal formation. Uh, but the, the, my favorite section of the book, and I've, I've had a lot of people respond, is that on uh, the second section, which is relates human history to temperature history. And if we look back over the last several thousand years, back to the first great civilizations that rose up, uh, it was in the first Great warming period after human human empires and civilizations arose. It was called the Bronze Age or the Minoan warm period, much warmer than today. And all these great civilizations and empires—the Hittites, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, uh, the Harappan uh, civilization—you probably never heard of, but they were in the Indus River Valley in India. Uh, These great empires and civilizations rose up during this really warm period. Food was bountiful. Life was good, everyone prospered, Uh, and then within maybe 50 or 100 years, it started cooling down. And within 50 or 100 years during this cold period, uh, all of those empires collapsed within that short period of time related to the cooling. And we see this repeated time and time again with warming periods, with great empires and civilizations rising up, in the cold periods, with each one of those were associated with crop failure, famine, pestilence, and mass depopulation and isn't it isn't it Tim completely opposite of what we're being told? We're being told, "Oh, we can't let it get a degree or half a degree warmer, or there's going to be droughts and famine, and we're all going to die." Well, history doesn't tell that tell us that. You know, they would call me a science denier. I think we should turn it around on them and call them history deniers because uh, they're, they're denying history that clearly shows that warming periods are hugely beneficial and cold periods are really, 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 like I could add a few more realies bad. Um, and again, it's just the opposite of what we're being told, Tim. To
0: Right. Well, the the thing that continues to strike me in how they approach this discussion too, uh, they're unwilling to acknowledge uh, the positives that come along, and, and they continue to talk about – Uh, how much of this uh, falls at the hands of humanity. And all of their biggest offers at solutions are actually things that are negative. Uh, They have huge negative impacts to humanity. Uh, You point out in the book uh, about how we're able to better feed the population. Meanwhile, right now, throughout Western Europe, we have farmers that are having to march against their governments because they're being told they can't utilize the best tools for farming uh, because we have to protect and avoid continued uh, expansion of the temperature. Uh, and, and it's just such an absurdity. It and we've said this before. I, I'm I'm certain, but again, it strikes me. It needs to be said again. It's a very anti-human agenda that these people are pushing.
3: It it is, and if you go to our uh, the CO2 Coalition, I'm executive director there. We we're we're a group of more than 150 of the top scientists in the world, and we have a a very important paper that we wrote here nine months or so ago. It's called "Challenging Net Zero with Science." Uh, I was proud to be a co-author along with Dr. Will Happer of Princeton, Dr. Richard Linsen of MIT, Uh, and we went through and documented this and. And according to Happer and Linsen, uh millions of people are at risk of, of, of death from starvation. If we go through with what they're proposing to do, uh, for example, uh, reducing CO2, of course, will have an impact because CO2 is a huge driver in the, in the agricultural growth we've seen over the last 70 years since the mid-20th century. Uh, but another big component of this is nitrogen fertilizer it started being used in the mid-20th century. And this nitrogen fertilizer might, might account for 50% of the agricultural production we've seen over the last 70 years. And they want to get rid of that because they say, well, it, it leads to uh, nitrous oxide, which is a dangerous greenhouse gas. Well, it's a greenhouse gas, but it's not dangerous. It contributes very little uh, to the warming of the atmosphere. And uh, the, the, the dilution of that the the reduction of co2 and now they're doing this crazy uh geo uh engineering of the atmosphere where they're talking about blocking out the sun to save the planet for cool all of those things will contribute less sunlight less co2 and no nitrogen fertilizer will will lead to deaths of millions of people from from famine because there there won't be that was documented in sri lanka Uh, not that, but a year and a half ago when the president of Sri Lanka came out and dictated they wouldn't use nitrogen fertilizer anymore. And Sri Lanka was uh, an agricultural uh, economy, and it collapsed within nine months. Um, And the president of Sri Lanka, President Rajapakse, barely escaped with his life and fled to India, Uh, and now they're back to using it, and their agricultural production is back up. Uh, but these are the kind of crazy things they're doing, and we should, we should fight a tooth and nail.
0: And it really is a fight, too. Uh, You have been the victim of efforts to to keep the information out of the general public's hands. They don't want people knowing the things that you and the uh, CO2 coalition have been doing. Uh, In fact, one of the things that struck me was before we even got into the meat and potatoes of the book, but the very last dedication that you made for the new one uh, having to do with the Northland public library. I think that's a story, uh, that we should share with the listeners because I think this is also a big part of how they're fighting to keep the uh, good news of a convenient warming out of the hands and knowledge of the general public.
3: Yeah, my, my home library and my, I lived at that time north of Pittsburgh in the North Hills of Pittsburgh and, uh, there were several townships, the band that were together for the Northland Public Library. And it was oh, a mile and a half from where I lived. And that was our, our library. Our children went there and we, we got and and I have a book that I published, Inconvenient Facts. It rose to number one bestseller on Amazon pretty quickly. Uh, and I, I provided copies of the book uh, to my local library. I thought they would be enthused to have a local author that's a best-selling author uh, have that, and they refused. They said, we're, we're not going to put it up, and they really gave no good reason. Well, they came up with some contrived reasons. Uh, and I asked them, I said, well, what other – please name one other best-selling author within your district of the, of the Northland Public Library that you have not – you that you've not had their book put up in the library. And of course, there was no answer. Uh, that's because there weren't any, uh, and that's what they do. So, uh, you know, I said we're, I experienced modern-day book burning, basically, if you will, and book censorship. Uh, they didn't want that up there, uh, and they said, well, partly it was a, it was self-published, but we went and quickly found, and, and it is, and that was by, by choice. I could have had it published, but I, I did it by choice for a number of reasons, and I've done my second book now, self-published, because uh, I don't want I don't want publishers controlling how my information is presented, um, and I've had other authors of climate change books that just said, "Oh boy, my author uh, number one didn't want us to have color charts." Well, you you've seen my book, my lord, this book would be a, 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 just a, a fraction of the power if we had just black and white charts. I think you'll agree. It's it's the power of this information, and so I didn't want controlled by public publishers, uh, and so yeah, that that library uh, silenced and censored me, and they still refused. I every about once a year, I send them another copy, ask them to reconsider, and I uh, they send it back to me and say, "Well, you know, we're not going to do that."
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it, it is shameful, but it's just a, another one of those examples. We're clearly, uh, they just don't want that information available. I know you had a, an uphill battle with getting the Inconvenient Facts app up on the Apple store. Uh, just so happened uh, Al oh, Gore yeah. was one of the board members <laughs> at Apple at that time. Uh, it's been something else. But uh, unfortunately, Gregory, I, I glance over at the clock and I realize we're already running quickly out of time. So uh, – Again, I want to congratulate you on the new book, and obviously before we say our final goodbyes, I want to give you a chance to once again uh, share with everybody where they can find your work, uh, all the websites you need to throw out there, and as long as you invite anybody to follow you on social media, feel free to share your handles and which platforms that, uh, that folks are welcome to come find you at. Yeah, well, right
3: now, the the book is only it is available on Amazon for pre-order. Uh, you can get the Kindle on, on Amazon. That's a very convenient warming. Uh, if you want the book itself delivered within a few days, go to convenient warming.com convenient com, And you can buy it directly from my website. And if the, you can avoid, avoid Jeff Bezos uh, confiscatory, uh, fees that he charges, uh, and takes out of our, the author's pockets. Um, uh, Or go, we've got an educational initiative at the CO2 Coalition. Learn more about that by going to CO2LearningCenter.com, CO2LearningCenter.com. Get our really, really cool comics that are done manga style, uh, our videos done anime style, uh, and we have, for homeschoolers, we've got lesson plans that you can download at no cost. Uh, for if you're a homeschooling parent or if you're grandparent that have uh, grandchildren that are being homeschooled, it's great, great educational and scientifically based uh, lesson plans for your students.
0: Yeah. All right. Again, thank you so much, Greg. At some point down the road, when you've got a little more time on your hands... We needed to just sit down and take up the better part of an hour and just really dig into this stuff because uh, there's so much to go into, and, and I, I just – I always feel like we're barely getting started uh, for all of our conversations. But again, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Uh, as always, uh, Godspeed to you, sir. I appreciate all that you're doing, and uh, thank you again.
3: Thank you very much
0: for having me on. Let's do it again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Mr. Gregory Wrightstone. He is, of course, a uh, geologist, and he is, uh, you know, he has become one of the go to guys when it comes to the climate. But he's working with climate scientists all around him at the CO2 Coalition. Fantastic stuff. And again, if you haven't already checked it out, you really need to. Uh, he's getting. The opportunity to work with people like, like Dr. William Happer and Dr. Patrick Moore, who we've been fortunate enough to have on the show a couple of times, and uh, it's it's just he's doing the yeoman work trying to make sure that we get the real information so we can kind of counter and push back against the agenda. That uh, again, it's a very anti-human uh, agenda. All right, before we uh, take our mid-hour break, I. Uh, gotta tell you there's some good news Uh, if you have not yet taken advantage of the holiday promotion that was offered by vanish holsters the buy one get one half price promotion they've extended it so if you want to buy one of their ultra comfortable holsters at a discount well and get a second one for half off that discounted rate guess what There's still time. you got to do it. It's a perfect way if you want to own one for yourself and uh, possibly get one for a friend or family member that you know who needs it. Uh, I promise you, you're going to love this holster more than any other one that you own. And the reason why is because you can use it to carry most any gun that you own in absolute comfort. In fact, it's so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing it, which actually is a big reason why they call it the Vanish Holster. Revolutionary holster that fits 99% of all semi automatic handguns. It works without a tactical belt. It lets you carry in multiple positions and it lets you conceal two fully loaded magazines in the event that you need to quickly reload. But all that, as great as all of it is, it's not even the best part. The best part is that it comes with a money back guarantee. So if you don't love it as much as I think that you will, you will get all of your money back with their hassle-free return policy. Because Vanish is about to launch another promotion soon, this deal is set to expire soon. And as long as we're being real with one another, we know what's going on out there. Our country is in the midst of some relatively dark times. Criminals are more emboldened than ever, and the threat of terrorism being carried out on American soil, it's larger than it has been in decades. Please, please, I, I'm asking you, don't make the mistake of not being armed just because your holster's uncomfortable. Go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P right now so that you can have a holster that makes it a pleasure to carry all day, Every day. That's www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. The backslash T-A-P-P, it lets them know I sent you. It automatically activates that discount. Take full advantage while your dollar still has some uh, buying power. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
3: Gregory Wrightstone here, uh, executive director at the CO2 Coalition, best-selling author of Inconvenient Facts, expert reviewer for the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. You're listening to me on Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth.
2: So right.
4: America Great Again, known as MAGA, is a noble cause. But unless we the people make excellence great again, our republic's best days will only remain a fond memory. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's Face from Your Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, it was a time in our republic when Americans took pride in a job well done. No matter what the job, career, or entrepreneurial venture, excellence of results was expected and demanded. Excellence was taught from Christian pulpits and Jewish synagogues from the biblical chapters in Proverbs. Parents taught their children to seek to be excellent in all they do, whether it was schoolwork, household chores, etc. So long as the principle of excellence, along with high moral standards, were passed down to each succeeding generation, America was great, because through excellence, along with high moral standards, our republic maintained her one-time position as the envy of the world and one nation under God. So, yes, America can be great again, but only if we the people are willing to work to reestablish the standard of excellence. Let us make excellence great again, and then America will truly be great again. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. To find out where, go to
5: theronedwards.com. These stocks are designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and it puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do.
4: constitutional grounds the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother richer healthier and less ascetic coffee our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about because you want the best constitutional grounds is the coffee you want in your cup simply go to blueagecoffeecrafters.com and click on to the constitutional grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the re10 promo code and you will receive a 10 percent discount remember Constitutional grounds, the coffee you want in your cup.
6: Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields and delivers some of the purest water on Earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Acuari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, H-E-B in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink, conquer,
3: repeat. When I invented My Pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition My Pillow The Giza Elegance MyPillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe cusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty.
0: Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. From all of us... Here at my pillow, Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons At
2: PatriotMusic.com If you share my passion For the simple but timeless principles That made our republic great And you like rock music Check out my five albums And videos on American history At PatriotMusic.com Is using both hands I've gotta be free The way God made
0: you you're listening to tap into the truth All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Real quick, before we get on the line with our next guest, I have to ask you a question. Have you been thinking about using physical gold to diversify and protect your hard-earned wealth? If you have, then I would highly suggest you call the company that I trust the premier conservative gold company, Harvard Gold Group. Look, they're five-star rated across the board by the Better Business Bureau. They make it easy to buy and easy to sell. They've got a low price guarantee, and they offer up to $15,000 worth of free promotional gold or silver with qualifying purchase. Just give them a call real quick for their free investor's guide. You can give them that call right now if you want to. I would suggest waiting until after the show, but the choice is yours. So if you're looking to protect your retirement accounts or you just want to have gold in hand, give Harvard Gold Group a call at 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Or you can visit them online at harvardgoldgroup.com. Just be sure to mention promo code TAP T-A-P-P, or just mention the show when they ask you how they heard about us. All right. Uh, that's enough of me babbling and trying to uh, sell you something. Uh, let's get back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and pleasure to welcome back the president of the National Right to Work Committee and the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, welcome Mr. Mark Mix. Mark, thank you so much for uh, joining us this evening. How are you doing today?
1: Well, oh, Tim, I'm doing fine. I'm uh everything's good here. The the legislature's out of uh, session here in Washington DC, although they were they were quote unquote working today, but as long as there's a weekend break and a holiday, we're safe
0: for another three days, I think. <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll see. Uh they certainly can't yeah. do any more damage <laughs> at that point. Uh you know, yep. Yeah. Uh I I saw this story the other day and first I'm kinda surprised that more uh hasn't been made out of it. Uh, involving conservative news outlets. There's good reasons why the mainstream legacy's not, but uh, a, cons- a considerably large number of Democratic senators wrote a letter, uh, and evidently they think it's their job to try and protect the United Auto Workers uh, as they basically threatened 13 non-union automakers, and uh, I just... The first person I thought of when I saw this was you, and then I was really glad to see that you actually were being vocal about it i'm not surprised by that, but I knew that meant I'd have a really good chance of getting you on so uh you know let's let's start at the beginning uh other of course than the fact that uh they clearly like the unions, and they're trying to mend some fences with the unions, because the the Democratic Party under Joe Biden has not exactly been the typical union friendly democratic party we've seen in the past. Uh, so uh, what what was the uh, the starting point for this, and uh, what do you think is the end goal?
1: Yeah, well, it's pretty clear. This is the latest installment of, of the government trying to use their power to compel more workers into unions. And it's very simple what they're after here, Tim. I mean, basically what happened after the United Auto Workers strike of the uh, – uh, you know, they're not the big three anymore, but the three automotive industries in Michigan, UAW, Chrysler, and, or Stellantis and Ford, uh, the next strategy was to go out and find more union members across the country. Well, interestingly enough, for the UAW, the United Auto Workers, those workers are are basically producing quality automobiles in the right-to-work states across the country. So the 13 CEOs that got a letter from 33 Democratic senators basically saying, uh, and I, I, I can call it extortion. They may not call it extortion, but it's pretty close to being extortion because what they say is, that you, as a CEO of a company that's non-union, that's uh, providing livelihoods and opportunities for families in in the right-to-work states across the country, and these are names like BMW and and Mercedes-Benz and Hyundai and Mazda and Volkswagen and Nissan and Toyota and uh, Volvo, uh, these manufacturers that have brought manufacturing facilities into the United States, Because of the the climate, the business climate, in those states that have right-to-work laws, not only the individual freedom that it it allows, but also the economic opportunities it allows, they started making automobiles there, and the UAW has had zero luck trying to unionize any of these companies. Well, let's go back to the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. You remember that big big boondoggle that Joe Biden got passed and injected another, what, couple? I I don't know if that was a trillion dollars, but it was pretty close of additional money. But some of the conditions of that particular bill related to um, the electric vehicle market. And, you know, the government's starting to mandate, whether it be the state governments in some cases or the federal government, mandating this transition to electric vehicles. They want us to drive these electric vehicles. That interestingly enough, the Hertz rental car company that bought, uh, what, 300,000 of them is trying to sell them now because nobody wants to rent them. And car dealers, uh, the inventories are stacking up because no one wants to buy them. But yet we're going to be transitioning to that. So – what the, what the government did in classic kind of drug pusher uh, uh, character basically said, you know, here's, some, here's a big pot of money to subsidize your investment in the electric vehicle market that, interestingly enough, you will be mandated to produce a certain number of electric vehicles by a certain date in the future. So we want to help you make those investments and build those, uh, those battery factories and those automotive manufacturing uh, facilities. And that's all nice and good. But after you, after you accept the drug, here's what we here's the conditions that we're going to put on it. And uh, that is you have to have, at a minimum, a so-called union neutrality agreement, Tim. And what that means is, as an employer and as a contractor or whatever you're doing, that if you're going to participate in this program that's going to have any federal money in it, it probably behooves you to basically have this neutrality agreement, allow the United Auto Workers. And, Tim, you, you pointed this out. Not many other people point this out. This letter was specifically written for a single unit. Now, if you're the our single union, excuse me. If you're the United Steelworkers Union or the United Mine Workers Union or the or the National Education Association or the American Federation of Teachers, you would love to have 33 U.S. senators sending letters out to people that you want to, you know, you want to leverage, saying, "Hey, you got to have a neutrality agreement, and your employees have to join unions." That's what they did for the United Auto Workers here, and so these plants are basically all in right to As I mentioned, the the definition here, and it says, I think the letter says. It says, especially if you're a company that will receive receiving benefit from federal funds related to electric vehicle transi- transition, that you ought to have a neutrality agreement. And what a neutrality agreement means, real simply, is that you're not allowed to talk to any of your employees about unionization. you got to let the unions come in. you got to let them tell their stories. And they can lie about this. That's one thing an employer can't do. You can't lie about uh, the conditions of, uh, that may exist under a union contract. But the unions can come in, say anything they want, be clear to get a vote, and then once that vote occurs then everyone would be in a union and be forced to be associated by the union, et cetera, et cetera. So, and that all ends up real simply, and I'll finish here, and you're not surprised by this, Tim, but that ends up in increased political contributions for the candidates that are running for reelection. So it all is a vicious cycle, and it completes itself with the political money that flows from something like this.
0: I, I I'm just I'm in shock. I, I'm completely in all Mark. I, that is just unbelievable. Not my government. They'd never do that, sir. <laughs> no,
1: and that's uh, the problem with a government that gets so big that spends so much money that um, and subsidizes so many things. You know, it's once you get hooked on it, you can't get away from it, and uh, then the conditions come in, and that's exactly what's happened here.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, some of the uh, companies involved here have uh, clearly. Uh, made major advancements towards their placement in the market space thanks to being in right to work states Uh, they've got a lot to lose there but uh, some of the other companies that are involved here are companies like Tesla and as we know right now Elon Musk is on the naughty list as far as the Democrats are concerned Uh, so I have no surprises at all whatsoever to see them on here as well but the extent is clearly uh, driven towards trying to uh, drive people back towards uh, labor unions because they still expect the union themselves will have a lot of control in how people end up voting and, like you pointed out, those financial contributions. But uh, I-, I do think it's interesting that it's not just the fact, uh, going back to the Hertz rental carpet; it- it's not just that nobody wants to rent them. They also talked a lot about how expensive they are to maintain and how difficult that that is and how the infrastructure is still not in place in a lot of places to make it worthwhile for them to even carry them in certain parts of the country. And yet that gets glossed over and ignored as well. Uh, Is this also part of that excuse to later on go back and say, oh, well, now that we've mandated this everywhere across the board and you don't have a choice, now you also don't have a choice but to give us even more tax dollars so we can turn around and spend it on making sure there's a charging station every 15 minutes down the road?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Tim. And and you're 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 almost Nostradamus like in your predictions of what's going to happen because that's exactly what's going to happen. And and it really is an interesting phenomenon because the idea that the, you know you have these government mandates about what we should be buying, what we have to buy ultimately, and then you know, and just to give you a little anecdote, this is really really small, and I shouldn't even say it because it, it deals with me personally. But my daughter, my daughter's a new driver, and she's 17 years old. We bought her a car that has good fuel economy. And I think it gets at like 29 or 30 miles to the gallon. She drives to school each day and she'll be graduating from high school this, this June and moving to college and probably taking the car with her. But we had to register it again, Tim. And this is an interesting story because basically, you know, the CAFE standards, these are the, uh, of, of the miles, mileage, mileage uh, parameters that the, youth, the government sets that says certain cars built after a certain year have to make this many miles per gallon. Well, you know, some of the cafe standards there say that cars had to be over 25 miles to the gallon. So the, the the producers make them. They assemble these cars and build these cars that make 25 miles to the gallon. Well, when I registered that car in Virginia yesterday, or the, excuse me, last weekend, it cost me $45 to register the car, which is pretty standard for an average year, one year. But there was an additional road service fee, Tim, because her car, guess what? Got over 25 miles to the gallon, and it wouldn't pay. It wouldn't pay enough gas tax because its mileage was too high. So the, the government <laughs> mandates a 25 mile per gallon standard, and then the state comes back and taxes you a user fee because your car gets what more than 25 miles to the gallon. That's what you're talking about. That's the real life example of exactly what's going to happen here. And your point about the electric vehicles. I mean, I think the under the uh, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, they were one of the tasks there was building chargers. And I think, despite what was like what five hundred, uh, it was a billion dollar investment. They had so far built one charging station. Did you see that story? One.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, just it, one. It's, <laughs> yeah, we we definitely are not uh, dealing with a uh, a well thought out and designed infrastructure plan here. <laughs> uh, it, it is such. a a ridiculous situation, but we see it over and over again, and we do live in a time where they've managed to convince enough people to keep voting for them based on promises that are constantly contradicting each other, and nobody seems to be even engaging in a little bit of critical thinking. Uh, I think this is just another really good example of exactly that. Uh, You weren't hesitant at all to use the word extortion, and that's actually probably the best definition of what's going on here that I could think of as well. Uh, I I don't think that anybody should shy away from using that terminology. It's very accurate. But uh, with all that set to the side, uh, it's just astonishing. And again, this is the kind of things that uh, the National Right to Work Committee tries to really – push and promote against uh, allowing for people to to not have to fall under the thumb of a union just because they want to work in a certain industry uh, and yet you're literally fighting against government entities uh, a lot of the time so with that being said we we're, we're just entered a brand new year Uh, Last time you were on, you were telling us a little bit about a few of the things and the projects you've got ongoing. We've only got a few minutes left, Mark, so I wanted to give you a chance to uh, give us kind of a preview of exactly uh, what we can expect coming down the pike as far as what the National Right to Work Committee is working on for 2024.
1: Yeah, Tim, thanks. Um, Obviously, keeping track of what they're trying to do in Washington, D.C. is probably the most important thing. And and specifically, that's the executive branch. I mean, it's not that the Congress is passing anything. You know, I think probably you would agree with me that gridlock is not a bad thing when it comes to legislators actually trying to legislate and create new rules and statutes and things like that. Obviously, there's work to be done to repeal some of that. So we keep our eye on the executive branch. We have been working uh, very closely in a couple of different states. We've got some offensive targets and some defensive targets. We're going to be active in in Montana, New Hampshire, in New Mexico, in Colorado, and on offense trying to pass right-to-work laws. In fact, we have right-to-work laws pending in New Hampshire. We had a hearing on one starting yesterday, and we'll continue to push for that. Uh, there'll be right-to-work bills introduced in Maine. We're going to work on some public sector stuff that actually goes to the so-called payroll deduction system that government entities have set up with unions. So that they take union dues right out of people's paychecks before they ever see them, which is the best way to collect money from people that may not agree with you, is just take it first and, and let them try to find out what it was and where it went and how it's being spent. And so we're going to be working on that in a couple of legislatures around the country. We've got some defensive battles. We've got to always play Vigilant in, uh, in a state like Nevada Where they continue to try to repeal The right-to-work law. We're going to have to be careful. Keep our eye on Wisconsin And a couple other states because the legislatures there Are pretty aggressive and in Wisconsin The Supreme Court now has changed and they have Become a quote legislative body themselves By trying to uh, go in And say and basically saying on the campaign trail That they were going to re- try to repeal the right-to-work law And repeal some reforms in public Sector work. So there is plenty of work To do. Lots of legislatures are going into session We'll track somewhere over over probably two or three thousand bills that will be introduced in the state legislatures around the country, we'll take action probably on five or six hundred of them. And all of this is done to protect individual workers' rights and freedom. Nothing that we do will stop anyone from joining a union if they choose to do so. But it will protect them against being compelled. And that's the one thing that's happening now. Tim is the unions aren't interested in adherence. People that would actually support them and want to join them. They're interested in having government power to give have government give them the power or government to deliver. Uh, new union members, just like this letter from these 33 Democrats is designed to do. You don't have to win the hearts and minds of the workers. You just have to win the the extortion game against the CEOs and have them sit down and shut up until the unions can get their get their votes in place and win a vote and then force everyone into their representation. So lots to do between now and, uh, say, November 2024, perhaps.
0: <laughs> and hopefully things will uh, slow down a little bit for what you guys will have to be doing at that point. But certainly can't expect to uh, pump the brakes just yet. Uh, As always, Mark, I appreciate everything that you guys are doing, especially your work in it. And I always appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come talk to us. As always, thank you so very much. Real quick, remind everybody where they can find your work, uh, share the websites. And if you're inviting people to follow you anywhere on social media, feel free to share your handles and the booths platforms.
1: Yeah. Well, Tim, first, thank you for paying attention to this stuff. You always do. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about it with you. Uh, People can find us on that great, amazing Internet at www.nrtw.org. That's the foundation's website where you can find out about your legal rights and talk to an attorney if you want for free about what you may or may not want to do in the workplace as it relates to unionization. And then the NRTWC, WWNRTWC, is the committee's website. That's .org. And you can find out all the legislation we're tracking in your state or on, in here in Washington, D.C., on the federal level, all the bills we're tracking. We give a position statement on each of the bills and why it's important. And uh, we give you an opportunity to contact your legislators through that website about these to support or oppose legislation. So NRTWC.org is the committee. nrt. nrtw.org is the foundation sorry about that I confuse myself sometimes
0: (laughs) well there's a lot of similarity there and there's a lot of good work (laughs) being done at both Uh, as again thank you so much Mark Uh, I look forward to the next opportunity to talk to you and uh, hopefully we'll be talking about some victories for you guys uh, because the Lord knows that uh, this country could use a little uh, pushback against the agenda that's currently being shoved down a lot of people's throats thank you so much Mark Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Mark Mitz, the president of the National Right to Work Committee and the president of the National Right to Work Legal Defense Foundation. Uh, We're going to take a little breather as we reset the hour, so don't go anywhere. We will be right back. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, You're listening to Tap into the Truth.
2: Somewhere, 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 I know I'll find you somehow, and somehow I'll reach a
0: This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth, that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Network.
7: This is Randy Noble with the Cross in the Desert, speaking hope and freedom to Iran. You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us as we dive headlong into hour number two of the Friday Night Live show of Tapping to the Truth. We are about to be joined by Mr. Randy L. Noble momentarily, but before we do that, you know the drill. I need to ask you a very important question. When things go sideways, and I do mean when, not if, will you be prepared? If the answer is yes, great. I'm happy. That means you've been paying attention, and that is the way it should be. Thank you so very much. Now, how about everybody else that you love and care about? Are they prepared? Because you know what? My friends over at Four Patriots, they're not concerned about just you. They're concerned about everyone. Look, right now you've got good reason if you happen to be one of the many people out there that's concerned about having to go a long time without electricity uh, between storms that have been running through the country and then, of course, uh, possibly man-caused events. Or maybe you're even worried about being able to go to your local grocery store and not having anything available to buy. Either case – Four Patriots has got you covered that and a lot more. And the only way you can really be certain of how much they've got going on is to go see for yourself. And the best thing that you can do, especially if you're needing right now, like I am, to go stock up on get some more of the Four Patriots best-selling survival food kits. The delicious tasting designed to last 25 years, but I can't save them to keep in my house for two and a half weeks because my daughter keeps getting into it. Look, they've got the kits that have real meats, they've got desserts, they've got lots of great stuff. And if you are out of power for whatever reason, you don't have the power, guess what? Boil some water over a fire, simmer, serve, you'll enjoy a hot meal, you'll stay safe in a crisis. It's great. And I've had the folks over at 4Patriots right now to set up a special page just for listeners of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, just visit 4Patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. By doing that, you can see this week's discounts and deals before they go away. Go to 4patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. But hurry, these deals won't last long. Some of them are going away very quickly. Some of them last a little longer. Check back frequently. The, The page changes. Save more. Get peace of mind. Buy now. Get the preparedness products that you can use now. That could save your life later. That's the number for patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome back to the show a multiple-time best-selling author. To call him a prolific writer is a bit of an understatement, and uh, he's a friend of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Randy L. Noble. Randy, uh, thanks for joining us again tonight, and before we dive into anything else, how are you doing today?
7: Well, it is a pleasure. It, it, I'm getting a little bit of feedback there and a little bit of echo. Can you hear me okay?
0: Uh, you're sounding good on my end. Uh,
7: it is a pleasure once again, Tim, to cross paths with you, to be on your program. It's been a while, but I am always honored and blessed to be a part of your program and to be a voice for my dear Iranian friends is the passion of my life. This is a new year, and there are some major things happening that I'm glad we can talk about tonight.
0: Yeah, that that is one of the things, uh, the primary reason I reached out. I wanted – continue to get some updates, and then there's a particular thing going on in our Congress that I wanted to talk with you about too, but we'll address that later. Let's jump out the gate with some of these updates, because as we know, things are a little hot right now in the Middle East, and Iran, the theocratic, uh, dystopian uh, government that's currently running things over there, uh, is They're in the thick of all of it. They've got their tendrils into literally everything from the Houthi pirates to uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, Syria, and even throughout Iraq right now. And still, uh, probably the most oppressed people and the people that are most at risk are the Iranian people. So uh, how are things working and looking right now? And uh, just dive in with the the best current updates that you've got uh, with your Iranian friends.
7: Well, we are going to put this all into context because you hit the nail on the head with what's going on with Iran. They're involved with Hezbollah and Hamas on the destruction of Israel, and we are not holding them accountable for the number of attacks in going against our servicemen and women in Iraq. And the Biden administration is, of course, continuing on their path of appeasement, and we will talk about that. But I wanted to bring your listeners' attention to a very big story that is going on with the continued oppression of Iranian women. And this is the story of Roya Heshmati, a 33-year-old lady in Iran living in the city of Tehran. Just recently in the news, you heard about her. Now, of course, here in the United States, you're not going to hear it from the feminist activists. The United States feminists are silent as crickets about what's happening to women in the Middle East, so I need to update us. Roya Hashmati was recently arrested. She was photographed by cameras walking in the streets of Tehran without a hijab, and she was called to come to sentencing at the Revolutionary Court there in Iran, and part of her sentencing, Kim, was 74 lashes. She was walking down the streets of Tehran without a hijab. And this all goes back to to last year. Remember the story of Masa Amini that was brutally killed in custody for showing a few strands of hair. In the same way Roya Hashmati was photographed because cameras are all over Tehran now to capture women who are violating the dress code. And when she was asked, what are you doing walking down the street without your hijab? She says, I am angry about this endless darkness. I am angry about the constant marginalization and erasure of women. I am infinitely angry about the systematic poisoning of female students. She's referring to the schoolgirls just last year at this time who were poisoned in Iran simply for making videos protesting against the supreme leaders she said i went out in the streets in this attire to reclaim my life and my plundered freedom even if it was just for a few hours and i accept the consequences of my action so tim here's what she was charged with propaganda against the regime in favor of opposition groups and media promotion and encouragement of corruption and indecency Production and distribution of offensive content with the intention of professionalizing it, violating public decency and public appearance without Islamic hijab. And this young, beautiful, 33-year-old woman was lashed 74 times, and I'm quoting right now from a human rights organization called The Fire Next Time. And she writes in detail about her punishment. And they brought her into this cell. It's an iron door into a cell. She describes the walls were made of cement. And at the bottom, there was a bed with handcuffs and iron bands welded to both sides. And there was a place for handcuffs and a place for whips. And she described it as a full-fledged medieval torture chamber. And while she was being lashed by this man, she whispered, in the name of woman, in the name of life, the clothes of slavery are torn. Our black night will dawn. All the whips will be axed. And so she goes into great detail and she willingly did this simply because she is tired of the women in Iran being deprived of basic human rights. And so you ask what is happening. The big story here lately is this brave Iranian woman named Roya Hishmati, who describes in detail this torture chamber being lashed 74 times without mercy because she wasn't wearing a hijab publicly.
0: Well, you know, the, the notion of without mercy is a reoccurring theme when it comes to the, uh, the theocracy present currently being operated by the Ayatollah, the mullahs, and uh, you can refer to the morality police however you like. Uh, generally, uh, they're little more than paid henchmen. Uh, they are for all intents and purposes part of a terroristic organization the same as any other. And uh, while on the one hand it's tremendous uh, that the bravery of the Iranian people is really – it's been on display uh, since the whole Masha event. Uh, The fact that the world has decided to turn a blind eye to the people continuing – to protest, despite the harsh reactions and efforts to shut down these protests, uh, the regime itself has probably never been under as much internal pressure as they have been since these events. Uh, and this is a kind of bravery that if word gets out, if the rest of the international community comes to realize and understand how harshly uh, the people living there are being treated Uh, And the rationale and reasons why, 20 years ago, Randy, I I would have said that it would have brought about uh, a swift uh, fallout from the entire international community. But we don't seem to live in a world anymore where the – Morality and the admiration for the pursuit of liberty and freedom and the much-vaunted women's rights that the political left here claims to be about and wanting to defend, and yet they're silent on this matter. Uh, It's just – it's become shameful. Uh, We're walking in a time where it appears that no world leader even understands what morality is anymore. There is no righteous indignation. There's no willingness to stand on the side of liberty in this case, and that has to change. Uh, It it would not involve a military conflict right now. Just the right amount of verbal support and a little economic support could really finally lead to a toppling – of the current regime there, and the Iranian people could finally take back their nation, it feels like the people there are ready to move forward. But if we don't at least recognize their struggles here in the West, it feels like we're not only letting them, but we're encouraging the current regime to squash this type of courage in order to maintain the status quo.
7: It goes back to Obama, who... In the midst of the uprising in 2009, the people of Iran got on the Internet and said to Obama, they asked the question, are you with us or with the mullahs? And you know the answer. Appeasement is the code of this administration. And you mentioned about the fact that No Mercy was shown. The execution officer wanted Roya, in fact, demanded Roya to put on a hijab while she was being lashed. She refused to put on the hijab, and he says, You won't? I will whip you so hard that you know, you'll know exactly where you are. I will open a new case for you, and you can be our guest for another 74 lashes. This should enrage every feminist all over the world, but appeasement and silence and no support. And this is why Iranian activists are now protesting in front of Senator Ben Cardin's office, demanding that this MASA Act be passed.
0: Yeah, yeah that's uh, I, that was one of the other reasons why I wanted to have you on. Uh, when I saw this, I was first moved to writing an article that, uh, uh, again, I want to thank the folks over at BizPack Review for uh, publishing uh, where this was part of the overall question where I was laying out the, the, the question, the, the very title of the uh, of the piece. Is there more to the Democrat support of Iranian theocracy than bad policy? Uh, longer title than I normally throw up there, but I think is a legitimate question. And like you, I started out back in 2009 talking about Barack Obama when he chose to ignore – Uh, the pleas for help for the Iranian people then. Uh, I trafficked through and and continued with multiple occasions pointing out the success of Trump and moving the Abraham Accords forward and continued to move down a multitude of different things. So if anybody hasn't read it yet, I'll include a a link in the show description for the podcast listeners if you'd like to go ahead and take a look at it. But uh, the important thing here is when Ben Cardin decides that he's just going to step back and we're not going to pass the uh, Masha Act, named after that uh, original victim of the uh, the hijab situation that occurred, we we're really looking at a, a law that was designed to just basically put sanctions forward – …on the Ayatollah, on some of the top members of the regime, including the current president, and some of the members of the uh, Iranian special guard. That's all it is. It's just a resurgence of new uh, sanctions against people that clearly are deserving of it, and Ben Cardin, along with several other democrats are actively working to prevent this from even leaving committee. They don't want this on the floor. They don't want it uh, voted on. They're trying to, again, protect the Iranian leadership and to do everything they can to avoid them being held accountable for their gross human rights violations. Um, Have you heard uh, in any of your circles – Any of the rationale behind it, why the Democrats would stand against this particular bill and try to keep it from becoming law?
7: I haven't heard anything specific, but the whole ideology behind this goes way back to Jimmy Carter when he, at a time when the the original Shah of Iran needed help, did not extend the helping hand then. And it seems like this trend has continued in the Democratic Party for whatever specific reason. We, we talk about legacy and appeasement with Obama, the same with Biden. But there seems to be this whole ideology of cooperating with hostile nations like we do with China. And look what Trump did, of course, when he was president in the situation you're speaking of and now with Iran. I mean, he stood up. And supported the Iranian people, and he was on Twitter all the time, assuring them that he would stand with them in in every circumstance. And you saw this with with President Trump. He, He wrote in a tweet to the brave and suffering Iranian people, I have stood with you since the beginning of my presidency, and my government will continue to stand with you. We are following your protests closely. Your courage is inspiring. Now, that's what you hear. From an administration that is interested in human rights, that is interested in punishing the leadership with sanctions against what they're doing to their own people. This administration obviously, for whatever specific reason other than appeasement, wants this nuclear deal in the future to go forward. And it seems like with the hostile nations of the world, when you have a weak, weak leader – … … who is easily talked into policies of appeasement, you're going to have this situation. And the only hope for the Iranian people is a president like President Trump to reassume the reins and to do what he said he would do to support the
0: Iranian people. Yeah, it's uh, – it still – it boggles my mind, Randy. I just – I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it. What is is the purpose of the appeasement in this case. It doesn't move anything positive forward. It doesn't serve any possible good, not to the United States, not to any of our allies, and certainly not to the innocent people that we so often talk about how that we should open our borders to and be willing to assist. Uh, We're literally talking about  … Oppressed peoples here, and you know yep. we keep hearing the catchphrases. The, uh, the political left here loves throwing around oppressor, oppressed, and they don't uh-huh. even seem to fully understand it. Uh, go ahead. Yep.
7: There, there seems to be also a tie, Tim, in trying to to get to the bottom of your question. When Obama was president, he was very, very involved in many ways with Muslim Brotherhood and with Muslims, and it seems like that there was a focus on Islam a lot. Well, obviously, uh, of the, the Iran situation, they are not Sunni Muslims, they're Shi'i Muslims, but nonetheless Muslims, powerful leaders, powerful people. They are oppressing Israel right now, as you pointed out in the beginning of our talk, with Hamas and Hezbollah, and so you would think – The logical thing that most normal people would say they need to be held accountable, but because of whoever knows whatever political ties – in fact, there's an organization, a lobbying organization in Washington that's been there for years known as NIAC. Iranian activists have, again, spoke out, stop the NIAC in their activities. They are very much involved with this Islamic regime. They try to say they're not. But this is a Washington political group, and again, Biden won't do anything to answer Iranian activists who are crying out, don't trust them. They're working with this regime, and they work here in Washington to get policies passed that benefit them. So I guess the the larger answer to your question is there are political, and let's figure it out, financial ties somehow, some way, that are going forward that keep senators like Ben Cardin from pushing this act forward, which would punish the Iranian regime and would hold them accountable for what they're doing to people like I mentioned, Roya Hashmati, horribly lashed. So it's political and financial, and and it goes deep.
0: It's just clearly a situation where the political side of it – it almost sounds like we're writing a bad spy no- novel here, Randy, because what we're talking about is the infiltration of Islamic activists into the White House, and that's mm-hmm. not been a- an uncommon refrain when it's come to conservative outlets with a little bit of courage uh, since Barack Obama's been in office. Uh, clearly, uh, one of his chief advisors uh, for the Majority of the time he was in office is literally direct blood ties to leadership of the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, He was so excited when they took over Egypt, and he was so upset when Egypt very quickly decided to turn to the about face and boot them out of power. But. It, it seems like in Biden's administrative case, the only thing he's really trying to do is just reestablish everything that Obama had tried to do with very little exactly. concern about how the effects are, and, you know, we we keep hearing the accusations of puppetry and who's actually running things, and I think one thing is pretty obvious. There's very little that Joe Biden is actually aware of. I think that was very well yeah. demonstrated just recently when our Secretary of Defense was incommunicada for four days, and nobody in the White House even noticed. So it really is just Again, a case where we as the American people need to step up. We need to stay informed. We need to pay attention to the kind of information that you're trying to bring forward on the regular basis through your podcast and through your writings, and we need to pay better attention overall because what's happening isn't enough. We're not supporting freedom. We're not supporting human rights. We're not supporting stability in the Middle East. And while we can't necessarily expect full-blown peace to just break out any moment, stability is a possibility, and that's still going to be based through the old adage of peace through strength. Uh, I think the Abraham Accords was a great example of how well it could work if allowed, and if you don't, Work towards appeasement to terrorists. Randy, I'm going to real quick give you the last word and then please let everybody know where they can find your work.
7: Well, thank you, Tim. The solution to peace in the Middle East is the downfall of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Once you remove them as the factor, you're going to have those peace accords, as you mentioned, which were established by President Trump. You're going to see a whole lot better situation. And so the, the number one solution is that this regime must fall so that young women like Roya Heshmadi and Iranian rappers like Tomas Saleh, who was rearrested recently after being let out on bail in November, people like them can be free and no longer have to worry about walking down the streets of Tehran without wearing a hijab and be free to to speak out and to to sing rap songs about freedom without being imprisoned. And so I just would encourage uh, all of your listeners to just help me be a voice for my Iranian friends. And, and my material, my books are up on Amazon, and really, really, if you want to be educated about what's going on there, I, I write their stories.
0: All right. Again, thank you so much for joining us today, Randy. As always, keep up the great work, sir. You're doing uh, a phenomenal job of putting a human face on the people of Iran. Uh, again, a message where I constantly try to remind people, uh, all the listeners to this show, that when we talk about a nation, we're normally talking about its government. And this is a really good example of when the government is not indicative of the people that are suffering under it, uh, obviously, sir, we will uh, get back together sometime soon, hopefully.
7: Well, thank you again, Tim, for allowing me to be a voice on your platform. Thank you for for reaching out, and God bless you.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Mister Randy L. Noble. Uh, You can find his work on Amazon. There will be links in the show description to this author's page if you're listening to the podcast. In the meanwhile, before we uh, take our mid-hour break, I do need to remind you once again about the fact that our friends over at Vanish Holster has decided that they're going to be extending the holiday special. Now, if you somehow manage to miss what that is, let me explain it to you. You can go over to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P and automatically activate a discount price for one of their ultra-comfortable holsters. But under the current promotion, once you've done that, you can then get a second Vanish holster for half off that already low discounted price. Pretty good deal, right? I mean, it's perfect if you want to own and use the world's most comfortable holster and then give one to a friend or family member. And look, I promise you're going to love this holster more than any other one that you own. And the reason why? It's because you can use it to carry almost any gun that you own in absolute comfort. It's so comfortable that you'll forget you're wearing it. Part of why they call it the Vanish Holster. This revolutionary holster, it fits 99% of all semi-automatic handguns, it works without a tactical belt, it lets you carry in multiple positions, and it also lets you conceal two fully loaded magazines just in case you need to do a quick reload. All that's great, right? But that's still not even the best part, because the best part is that it comes with a money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it as much as I think you will, then you can get all your money back with the hassle-free return policy. They are about to launch a new promotion soon, so this deal will expire relatively soon. So if you've been holding off on it, don't wait any longer. Let's be real. We see what's going on out there. Criminals are more emboldened than ever, and the threat of terrorism occurring on American soil is at its highest point in decades. Do not make the mistake of being unarmed just because your holster's uncomfortable. Go to www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P right now so you can have a holster that makes it a pleasure to carry all day, every day.
8: Hi, I'm Becky Noble. You can find me at gumshoepolitics.substack.com and at redstate.com. You're listening to Tim Tap and Tap in the Truth.
4: So often, we hear leftist advocates of all stripes droning on about white privilege or white supremacy. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from your Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. While some may focus upon the fairy tale of white supremacy, there is a more realistic description of certain ills plaguing our republic, such as the mission to make evils of government tyranny, the misery of open borders, and the drowning of of good morals, high standards, the traditional family, liberty, and God himself out of society. The current downspiral the United States is experiencing has nothing to do with white supremacy, but rather a multiracial conglomeration of political leftists and amoral degenerates united in an unholy war against we, the people who simply want to live and a republic of one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. If we are to experience American greatness again, we must be willing to defend our God-given right to live in true liberty. If not, forget about it. I'm Ron Edwards. Join me live weekdays, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 Pacific. To find out where, go to theronedwards.com.
6: Second skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven
4: constitutional grounds the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother richer healthier and less acetic coffee our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about because you want the best constitutional grounds is the coffee you want in your cup simply go to blueagecoffeecrafters.com and click on to the constitutional grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the re10 promo code and you will receive a 10 percent discount remember
5: So, Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley. And at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina, with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hey,
4: Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say i got to wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing. And... Well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it.
6: Yeah, I can understand that. What are you going to do?
4: I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a
5: job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense.
3: Yeah, I hear you.
5: I'm Andrew Krabschutz, CEO of RedBalloon.Work, America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at redballoon.work. I'm Andrew Krabs. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschutz from Redballoon.work. Check us out today.
0: You're listening to Tap into the Truth. This is Matt Pitts
8: This is Amy Hallam.
0: This is AZ.
3: Share the night together. Oh, yeah. Share the
2: night together. Oh.
0: Congratulations and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us as we now enter into the final stretch. Thank you for sharing Friday night with us and of course you heard as a z the arizona anti hero part of that. I want to give a shout out to him hanging out with us in the the mewe chat room and uh invite all you guys to join us there as well. Now, we got our second dose of nobility uh, our second visitation from the noble family upcoming here in just a second. But before we do that, I need to ask you, if you've been thinking about using physical gold to diversify and to protect your hard earned wealth, then I have to recommend that you give the premier conservative gold company a call. Uh, They're the company that I trust. I've used them. They are fantastic. I'm, of course, talking about the Harvard Gold Group. They're five star rated across the board by the Better Business Bureau. They make it easy to buy and sell. They've got a low price guarantee. They have a phenomenal promotional gold and silver uh, pro- setup if you get that qualifying purchase. And if you remember to mention TAP into the truth or use promo code TAPP when they ask you how you heard about them. That will entitle you to an extra $250 in free gold or silver uh, based on whether or not you meet the qualifying uh, area. So uh, it's worth it just to give them a call to find out what a qualifying purchase is. But regardless of all that, you really do need to give them a call whether you're looking to protect your retirement accounts or if you just want to have gold in hand. Obviously, before you can give them a call, you need the number, right? So here it is. That's 844-977-GOLD, 844-977-4653. Or you can just visit them online at harvardgoldgroup.com. Either one works. They're both fine. I recommend you give them a call so you get a chance to talk to a person and find out how awesome these people really, really are. In the meanwhile, let's get on to the next Segment of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. The great A, top notch, quickly becoming my favorite journalist. She works over at redstate.com and she has her own Substack, Gumshoe Politics. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Miss Becky Noble. Becky, thank you for coming on tonight. How are you doing today?
8: I'm doing good, Tim. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's always an honor and a pleasure to have you on, and uh, I'm such a fan of uh, your writing. In fact, I really enjoyed today's piece, and I kind of want to finish off with that one because uh, the piece over at uh, Red State, because I think it's a nice positive place to end today's show on, but before we do that, uh, I think we have to do the journalistic thing and talk about a couple of t- subjects, if we can sneak them in, uh, that are just dominating the news cycle right now. Uh, number one, uh, let's start with the story that was related to what we were talking uh, with Randy about, and that is the fact that the U.S. and the U.K. are currently uh, flighting uh, these sorties to try to take out various locations that the Houthis have been using to launch their attacks against uh, shipping through the Red Sea. Uh, First, before we do that, obviously, this was telegraphed. The idea was still to try to show enough respect to Iran that we didn't accidentally escalate tensions directly with Iran because we know for a fact, although the mainstream legacy media is not telling that side of the story, that there are a lot of Iranian military uh, folks that are on the ground there helping the houthis
8: right well you know i think that whatever is going on in the middle in iran more specifically not so much the middle east but but in iran and and the way that the biden administration is dealing with iran is the same way basically that they're dealing with china they don't want to make them mad and they're going to do i think whatever it takes to not make them mad and if that means sacrificing American hostages, if that means sacrificing American troops, you know, I think unfortunately I think, you know, they're gonna chalk that up to collateral damage in some sort of, you know, Iran proxy war that they're that they're having with, with whoever it is at the time. And um you know, I, I saw today too where there were there were even some uh Democrat members of Congress who were complaining about the fact that Joe Biden just launched these airstrikes and there was no uh consultation from congress there was no declaration from congress it was like he completely bypassed them and you know i mean why should we be surprised that that joe biden views the constitution not as a guidepost and not as a guideline but but as an obstacle and something to be gotten around i mean he he does it at every turn so you know i think it's it's just – gosh, it's just – it's a yet another place in the world where Americans are going to go. Uh, they're having elections in Taiwan. I think it was either today or at some point over the weekend, some, sometime very, very soon, that they're going to be – either they are or they're going to, going to be having elections in Taiwan. And that's probably going to uh, figure into whether or not China – if and when they China decides to invade them. And, and and as Xi Jinping likes to say, uh, unification. You know, and and the unification yeah. will will begin. But uh, you know, it's just it's it's a it's another hot mess with Joe Biden's name written all over it. Basically, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, there's no question. Some of the candidates that are running uh, for the uh, offices in Taiwan are way more China friendly, and. If those folks happen to win a majority, uh, China doesn't have to militarily act. They're going to start increasing those diplomatic ties so that it just kind of morphs into a reunified China. Uh, If the more anti-Mainland folks win, then yeah, then uh, Xi Jinping knows that uh, he's only got until the end of the Biden administration to take full control so that whoever comes in next – would literally have to fight a full-blown uh, military action in order to get there. But but I wanted to go back and touch on the fact that you, you pointed out that some Democrats were actually very vocal about Biden kind of bypassing Congress. But uh, this has actually been part of the playbook that was actually established by Democrats. In fact, when Obama was in office, and, and this was established well before Obama, but i uh, just using Obama as the uh, – The poster child here, he was literally uh, bringing down firestorms and drone attacks and sending cruise missiles into places all the time, never once checked with Congress, and they praised him for it. They didn't have a problem. They only seemed upset. When Donald Trump decided that he was going to uh, drop a, a little bomb here and show some of the uh, would-be adversaries on the nas- international stage that, uh, hey, you know, I can be friendly and I can occasionally break stuff. So if you don't want to be the, some right. of the stuff that's broke, you know, play nice. That projection right, of power right. and that level of unpredictability I think worked well for him. But you definitely don't get anything from Joe Biden but the – The scent of death. Joe Biden on the international stage already smells uh, like a dead guy, and and I, I don't mean to sound like I'm rooting for bad health or anything for him, but as far as his policy and the fact that he is for all intents and purposes a lame duck because his own party doesn't really want him running again, and I'm convinced he's not going to make it past the nomination process. Uh, And if I'm wrong, then uh, so be it. But we've already seen the Obamas this past week laying the groundwork for having to establish at least a backup plan. So uh, it's just funny that it's the Democrats who wanted to uh, move forward with the War Powers Act and wanted to make sure that, okay, well, you've got 90 days to engage before you have to say anything. But For all intents and purposes, dealing with the Houthis in Yemen at this point isn't even a violation of the constitutional actions because you're simply responding to piracy. So it feels more like the Democrats in this case are really laying more groundwork for his removal uh, so they can move on to the next guy than their actual international policy concerns.
8: You know, that's true. You've got a point that they – it, it could be that, that maybe somebody in a in a smoke-filled, dark back room somewhere has figured out that the weaker that they make Joe Biden look on the world stage, that it's going to be easier to remove him for whoever else, whether it's Gavin Newsom. I'm hearing more Michelle Obama. Oh, God forbid. <laughs> that, you, you know, Ms. Michelle Obama likes to talk about what terrifies her. I, she terrifies me. But – um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's I remember hearing somebody say about Donald Trump and it might have been Rush Limbaugh who said that that not only did he not only did Donald Trump project strength and and, uh, you know, doing what he says he was going to do to to world leaders and and on the world stage. But he also had and and I I don't remember exactly how how he said it. I'm probably going to butcher it, but something to the effect that that. If, if somebody has just a little bit of – or if people think that they have just an, a right amount of crazy that that makes them unpredictable, that's what you want. And and Joe Biden is none of those things. He he tells our enemy a week ahead of time what he's going to do, and and that just – that flabbergasts me. early. I mean, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you don't tell your enemy what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. I've never been in the military, but at least I know that much. And uh, yeah, he, he does not have that, that just the right amount of, of crazy to make people think he's unpredictable quite the opposite. He's very predictable. And, and usually the, the thing that he does that is predictable is nothing. And we, you know, we've seen that with how many, how many uh, uh, attacks on American soldiers have we seen in, in Iraq? I mean, it's, you know, you, you can
0: pretty much count on Joe Biden not to do anything. Yeah, I mean, there's been somewhere in the neighborhood of about three dozen that have been officially acknowledged through the State Department, but I, right. I've got friends that are currently uh, currently active in the area. Uh, they're not in military; they're in private security, but they've told me mm-hmm. that there's been much closer to uh, well. When I talked to them about a month ago, they said it was well over 200 uh, attempts. It's just most of them were so horribly failed that they uh, didn't even really want to count them because they didn't even get close. But when you're talking about somewhere between 200 and 250 uh, attempts at uh, hitting Americans that are in these areas and then to turn around and – Again, they telegraphed these strikes, both against the Houthis and then again against these militant groups and militias that are operating out of Syria. And I got into a huge argument online with a couple of folks that were claiming to be conservatives and told me I was – needed to loosen my tinfoil hat just over the fact that these (laughs) warehouses that we hit in Syria – had all been emptied out because of the telegraphing. They essentially was a flex. It's almost the equivalent, the military's version of uh, you know of uh, virtue signaling. It's like, okay, we're going to act like we're tough and we're going to blow some stuff up, but you knew it was coming and we didn't really hurt right. anything you were trying to do. So it's just. Right. It's mind-numbing, but you mentioned Rush Limbaugh. Uh, today happens to be a special day for conservatives. Uh, it was the piece you wrote. Uh, w I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, obviously, you were talking about the um, what would have been Rush Limbaugh's birthday today, and uh, I appreciate the fact that. Somebody was trying to talk about a little good news today. So Becky, I'm going to step back and and let you go over the crust <laughs> of the piece. And uh, I want you to start with why you decided that this was a message that needed to be uh, printed out there today, and uh, whether or not it was an intentional way of just trying to interject some positivity.
8: Well, it it, it is. We 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 do need some positivity right now. Definitely with everything that's going on. But it just kind of occurred to me this morning what what the date was, and sometimes I'm kind of like kind of like the Rain Man when it comes to dates. I can remember them really well, and um, and I, I just happened to remember that today was his birthday. And and you know, as I was getting up and getting moving this morning, I thought, you know what, that would be a great op-ed piece today. And uh, the more I thought about it, I thought, well, I'm going to definitely, you know uh, you know, go in and, 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 uh, claim that, you know, in case before somebody else figures out what day it is, you know? So I did that. And, you know, it's just, I think that, you know, Rush Limbaugh did, he, he created conservative media. And I said that in the piece with, with just his radio show, you know, and he's, I think to, to Missouri conservatives, obviously he's he's a a little more special maybe than the rest of the country because we can we can claim him as a native son but uh you know i grew up in a conservative household my dad's heroes were william f buckley and ronald reagan and he instilled those conservative values in my brother and i and um so so i kind of come by it honestly and I can remember the first time that that I really started listening to Rush. You know, I had listened to him off and on, you know, in the car with my dad or something. But the first time probably was when the whole Monica Lewinsky thing was going on. And I thought thought to myself, you know what, you know, I get that the presidency is not a nine-to-five job. But when you're in the Oval Office, you're on my time. I don't care what you're doing out of the oval office, you may not be on my time when you're out of the outside the oval office, but when you're in the oval office, you're on my time and you don't get to do you don't get to do nasty things with interns on my time. And it was just I that 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 one particular incident that got me started listening to him and and I was a faithful everyday kind of listener, you know, and I I most of my life was a, a fortunately was a second shift worker, so I was able to do that. There was a period of about seven or eight years where I, I really didn't get to listen every day a whole lot, but you know it's um, rush you know he 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 said this himself he said that that for so long that that conservatives we thought we were the only people on the planet we thought there's nobody else who thinks what i think and no one else who believes what i believe and when he came along he validated all of those people's beliefs and he validated the fact that not only were they were they not alone but there was a whole bunch of other people out there just like them and you know what, what he built, if you look if you kinda of step back and look at what he's built now, because of his show, we have conservative media, we have uh, uh, written and print and online, digital, uh, you know, radio, T V and it, it's he built this. It it's the house that Rush built. And I just thought that we really need to um you know, we we, we needed to acknowledge that. And and I think there's so many people too who um you know, gosh, we just miss him so much, and just wonder what would he be saying about all this. You know, he yep. he'd be saying it with some humor, but but he'd also be serious about it too. And um, so I just thought that that on his birthday that we should honor him. So that's that's kind of what I wanted to do.
0: <laughs> well, I think you as. Usually, uh, I, I have rarely found an instance where you haven't, Becky, but you hit it out of the park again. You did exactly that, but I I want to uh, impress upon you. You guys uh, in Missouri get to, to claim him as a native son, but he had just <laughs> as much of an impact everywhere else in the country and even oh, outside definitely. of the U.S. as well. Uh, he was beloved by millions, and the reason he was beloved was because— there was a genuineness. There was a uh, a Joe everybody about his presentation, but he was always so smart and he was so humorous. He loved the the medium of radio, but he also established the fact that despite the, the federal government's best efforts to try to cut down on conservative voices uh, to, that could be Heard and expressed. I mean, the fairness doctrine we we still have debates and conversations about right now. Um, As under Obama, they tried to bring that back, and they're still trying behind the scenes to push it. But he proved point blank that that silent majority is still out there and that they want to hear from conservative voices they want to hear that they're not alone in how they think and that there are people that you know even if you don't agree with uh, 100% or 80% or even 70% of the time uh, that you can still be uh, in agreement enough that you can move forward together and that there are still folks that believe in the constitution and believe in America as she was founded and and that's something That he did, and he opened the doors and and opened a pathway to so many folks that are out there now, and I think he did a really good job of encapsulating all of that, and every day is a day that anybody working in conservative media should be honoring uh, there's there's two primary voices that should be thought of and heard uh, every day when you approach the job. Uh, Rush Limbaugh is the first one, and then I think Andrew Breitbart would be a, the next yes. one because those two literally gave their entire lives at, at moving the concept forward that America is for the Americans, not for the politicians, right. not for the global elitists it's for us and it's our responsibility to safeguard it and i think that's part of what made it so special
8: i agree i would absolutely agree you know he he used to say hey i would i'm just a kid from missouri who wanted to be on the radio and that's that's what what made him so great was that that he stayed humble like that and remembered where he came from and yeah if you if you travel in, down near cape Girardeau, missouri you they're they're very proud of him down there <laughs>
0: As well, they should be. Uh, Becky, I I thank you again for coming on, and I especially love getting to do the uh, double dipping into the uh – house of noble you guys are great uh, a hey, one-two noble, combination yeah. so thank both of you for being here uh real quick though we are quickly running out of time for the live broadcast so remind folks where they can find your work uh, let them know where they can find you on social media as long as you're inviting people to follow you and uh feel free to close out with any final thoughts you got about two and a half minutes for all that
8: well, you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Facebook at Becky Noble. Um, I'm on Twitter at Becky Noble 65 and, of course, at RedState.com. Um, I'm also at GumshoePolitics.Substack.com, and you can also find my podcast in your face if you go to GumshoePolitics.com, or if you go to Substack and, and you type in Politics. You'll find the whole page with with all of my work there, and you'll find a link to the podcast too. But um, yeah, you know, I just want to thank you so much, Tim. You're, gosh, I I, I I'm humbled that you're you, you next to my husband. You're one of my biggest cheerleaders. <laughs> that that means a lot. Thank thank you, and uh, I really appreciate appreciate that you haven't having me on.
0: Well, you're doing the hard work, Becky. I'm just sitting back and getting to collect a little of the uh, glow coming from your shining efforts so uh (laughs) uh, i'm just happy that uh, you help with that uh again thank you so much for being here and i look forward to our next opportunity to get together
8: thank you so much tim
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Miss Becky Noble, and uh, I highly recommend it. If you're not already following her over at Red State, go to redstate.com. At the top, you'll see some really great tabs that makes it easier. Uh, You can see the authors. Click that. She's on the top row, guys, and uh, easy enough to check all of her stuff. Meanwhile, we're pretty much out of time tonight, so – Again, thank you all for being here and listening, and I hope that you guys go have a great weekend. Come back and see us again next week. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Good night, everybody.
2: using both